You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello and welcome back to Writing Black. I am, as always, your host, Maisha Kai, lifestyle editor here at The Griot. And today we have a guest I'm sure a lot of you will recognize. I'm really excited to have her here. You may recognize her as the first ever Black Bachelorette on The Bachelorette. You may recognize her as co-host of the Higher Learning Podcast with Van Lathan, or you may recognize her as the author of Miss Me With That, uh, her book of essays about her experience in the zeitgeist. Um, but she's here today, Ms. Rachel Lindsay, or I should say Mrs. Rachel Lindsay Absolo, <laughs> <laughs> with her new novel, Real Love, which um, this is delightful. It's a little like romance, but it's also a little inspiring. We're going to get into it. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing? I am very good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy we could make this happen. I am too. You know, it, it was a pleasure. You and Van hosted me on Higher Learning right before the holidays. And okay. I was so eager to uh, have you on as our guest um, because I think you have become such a significant um, pop cultural figure inadvertently in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you intended it that way. We know things happen. Um, but, you know, in terms of cultural conversations, you've been in the center of um, some really important ones. And this book, um, is a departure, I think, in a, bit, in a way for you in terms of what you've been doing the last few years. And yet it isn't. It starts with a twist that I really enjoyed. Um, and I don't want to spoil it for people, but I do want people to read it. And I, I know you drew a bit, obviously, from your own experience on uh, television for this. Yeah. So let's talk about where the plot from for real love came from. Yeah. So first off, thank you for that amazing introduction. Um, I, so when I was approached to write about my, my life, my book of essays, well, it turned out to be a book of essays, but the nonfiction, um, book that I had, I had this idea always. And and when I was approached to, to write a book, initially I was like, no, I, I don't, I'm not ready yet. It's not time to tell my story. And I'm glad I waited because more things happen. So at the same time that I said, okay, I'm ready. I said, Hey, I also have this other idea. Um, because of the way, now I'll preface this by saying the book is loosely, very loosely based off of my life, but it is, it does draw inspiration of where I was at a point in my life and certain things that I went through. And I think that's why the readers will find it so relatable. So I always check myself by remembering the girl who almost said no to an experience that changed the entire course of my life. I was so ready to say no. I was looking for no's. And I'm speaking to the moment where two coworkers come into my office, knock on my door and say, hey, you should be on The Bachelor. And I laugh and I say, no, black people don't do that show. <laughs> and they said, no, if you do it, it'll be great for you. We think you would go far. And they were right. They could see something in me that I, that I didn't see. I also wasn't daring enough to say yes initially. I was scared. And so this book and I don't think it's necessarily giving it away, but that's where you find the protagonist in this book. This, she says no to going on to reality TV. And you see her explore her life in that way. And I that was important for me because that was almost me. I was that girl who was checking off the boxes for her life plan. And mm -hmm. when I go back and I look at my life plan, because I discussed that in my uh, my uh, book of essays, it's so different from the life that I'm living now. And I am so much more happy. So mm -hmm. I wanted to explore 
of what if I had said no and I stayed in that dead right. end relationship and I stayed in that job that even though it's always I wanted what I wanted to do, it wasn't fulfilling me. Life wasn't fulfilling me. And I think very often as people, we do that in certain points in our lives. And if you haven't done it yet, it will eventually come to you and you have to make this decision. And I wanted yeah. to do, and that's what's so fun about fiction because you do get to do that when you write. And so that's kind of where the idea came from. You know, I love that because I'm a big one on the what if narrative, yes. right? You know, the, the, I grew up on choose your own adventure books and, you know, all, and, and you're always wondering, um, you know, I can definitely say for myself, like, what would have happened if I had gone left instead of right in that yes. moment? You know, if I had, I don't know, married the first guy I fell in love with or not gone to, you know, gone to this school instead of this, this school or, you know, and you think about all these different trajectories your life could have taken. Uh -huh. What I love about this protagonist, Maya, is that, as you said, she really is kind of, I, I always joke that there comes a point somewhere between, you know, we talk about the, people talk about the Saturn return that happens in your late 20s, which is where Maya is at this yes. point. Um, it For some of us late bloomers, it may have happened a little later, but there comes a point some, for, I think in most people's lives, where you find yourself butting your head up against the expectations of who you thought you would be or Ugh. who you thought you wanted to be, yes. right? <laughs> you know? Yes. And so what's so refreshing here is watching this protagonist go through this and be messy in, in, you know, in the process and her friends are messy, everything about it, you know, um, and kind of because... question those life choices in real time. The ringer on my phone goes off again. My finger hovers over the ignore button, ready to send the call to voicemail, but at the last second, I decide to answer it. What if Delilah finally came to her senses and took off to a small village in Mexico where nobody would ever recognize her from that one American TV show where she spent 12 weeks kissing strangers? That's news I'd want to hear in real time. I also love that it's uh, not a predictable, even though I consider it, uh, you know, to fall within the realm of romance to a certain extent. Yes. It's not exclusively that. It's just as much about friendship. It's about work. It's about uh, self-awareness, <laughs> self-development, <Yes. laughs> all those kind of things. Why was that important to you to kind of interweave all those things together? Yeah, I love that you said that it's not necessarily predictable. And I actually had a friend who said to me, she's like, oh, I don't know. How, how people are going to feel that it's in this genre because it doesn't happen a certain way. And I said, well, I think that's what's interesting about it because it's kind of one of the themes in the book. Life doesn't happen the way that you think it is. And I do love Choose Your Own Adventure. And I feel like that's kind of where the book takes you even towards the end without mm -hmm. giving anything away. Um, it was because this book really did, does pull on some real life events for me. I wanted to explore all these things because even though this is fiction, in a lot of ways, the things that Maya goes through with family, with career, with love were very, very real to me. And I think a part of how what people, people, they've, I guess they've gotten to know me through my podcast or maybe things I do on TV or my, my first book um, or things that they've read about me, you know that I am just, I put it all out there. I don't like to hide things. And I I feel like I get to do that in this fiction book. I wanted, I really wanted to tell, to explore everything. I didn't want it to go a certain way. And I feel like that's in line with who I am. And then another thing, being the bachelorette, you are put up to be perfect. 
Yes. Like you're in this fairy tale world where you are the perfect woman, the most desirable woman in the country, and all these men are coming to see you, and they put you in these beautiful ball gowns, and you're made up, and your hair's always done. And I actually remember saying to Brian, now as my husband, but in the fantasy suite, I said, you do realize I am not always this person. And I, that's a part of my story that I didn't like, because that's not real life. We are messy. And so I wanted the protagonist in the book to be messy. I wanted her relationships with her friends, with, you know, who she was dating, even a little bit with her job, with her family. I wanted it to be that because I wanted it to be relatable. And so much of how people met me originally was not that. And so I wanted to explore more of that in this book because that is more me. That's more us. So it's important for me to touch on several different things. You know, I love that. I love that very much. And I, I, you know, I also love like what happens with the family in this books. I think, you know, as we know, black families are, are their own entity. Yes. <laughs> and they come with their own set of expectations yes. and uh, desires for the success of their children and what that looks like. Um, and you allow that to get a little messy, too. <laughs> Yeah, I, um, absolutely. It, it yeah. was very important for me. And, you know, matter of fact, in the book, you see her, this isn't giving it away. She has this relationship with her sister, Ella. Well, initially, when we were writing the book, there were two sisters. And that got mm -hmm. just a little too messy. I have two sisters. Maybe that was just a little too real. But <laughs> I, one of the things that I struggle with, and I've, and I've maybe been a little bit vocal about this, but I definitely talk about it in my book, are the difference in the generation of our parents and where we are now, you know, mm -hmm. they would work to provide and to survive. And we do things out of joy and what makes us happy and to feel fulfilled. And that's a struggle that you see Maya go through in this book. And that's a struggle in black families that you see. And so I wanted to touch on those themes as well, because that's very real fighting of what you're supposed to do, what you've been told to do your whole life. And that desire to please that versus what you really want to do in the one life you have to live. Well, I want to talk a little more about what you want to do and how this <laughs> book and this this other thread of your career, because you have several going on right now, factors into it when we return in just a moment with more Writing Black and more Rachel Lindsay. All right, and we are back with Rachel Lindsay and more Writing Black. We are discussing Rachel's new book, Real Love, which is a novel, which is her first foray into the genre that I know of. Now, did you write stories as a kid? Was this like, you know, you said this was kind of an idea you had for a while, but was this something you had been fleshing out for a while, like little sketches, if you know, as it were? So what's interesting is I used to not like to read. Um, I do hear not. that a lot. <laughs> My sisters were the readers. I was the middle child. I was always playing make believe. I was always imagining things. So I was that child. So I didn't write it down. I didn't necessarily read about it. I was always acting it out and living in this mm -hmm. fantasy world. Mm -hmm. That was the kid I was. And then as I got into high school, I just had an English teacher, shout out to Mrs. Merriman, who AP English, who just really influenced me and I just felt inspired and we would do a lot of creative writing and I loved it. And then I dated this guy who went to the art school. I was a private school. He went to the art school across the way. We, we went to school in downtown Dallas and I was so inspired by him and his friend group. They literally went to fame, the school in fame. 
You go to the school. <laughs> kids were singing. They were playing yes. instruments. He was an actor. And so I, he would write. We would go to poetry clubs. And it, it, it just opened my eyes to a whole nother world. And I just felt so free and more myself than ever during that time period. And it was so different from the path that I was on of like, nope, I'm going to, you know, um, school for political science, government. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to do these things. It was just so different. And it was also a, a form of rebellion because my parents were not into the guy that I was dating at all. But I <laughs> loved that. But it sparked something within me. And then I stopped doing the creative writing. I stopped, you know, like, I'm going to say sketches of poetry because I never really wrote out a full poem except okay. for my pals. And um, I, when I started to go down the path of law, I, I would constantly say that that stifled my creativity. And so mm. I feel that freedom that I felt before because you're trained to write like a robot in a specific formula. And I hated yeah. that. And so this has like reinvigorated that, that spirit in me of how I used to feel in high school in the beginnings of college. And so I never fully, to answer your question, wrote those things down. It was more of a feeling that I had and a desire. So it's been really fun to tap back into that and feel that way again. Well, it very much also parallels your heroine. And, I, you know, I got to say, as a performer turned writer, editor, who is the daughter of an attorney and partnered with an actor, I totally related to everything you just said. <laughs> I was like, mm, this, I'm here. I'm here with you. Yes. <laughs> I think my parents never put me in plays. They would, we would go to the children's theater and watch the plays. And then I would go and act them out in my living room and use my sister and stuff as props, but they never let me. <laughs> Not your sister as a prop. <laughs> Use my sister, so I was like, okay, you're going to be this person. You're going to be this. And you like, are the nope, tree. Be lawyer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and, you know, I, I want to dig into that. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with more Writing Black with Rachel Lindsay. All right, Rachel, we are back. You know, <laughs> you were just you were just cracking me up. We were talking about um, I, and I, it brought back so much to me as a former little musical theater kid. Yeah. Um, of those performances in the living room. I know them well. Um, <laughs> it also made me think while you were talking about how you really, you know, in the end, and I think this is something that really comes out in the book in the end the only thing keeping you from your destiny is you, right? Because, you know, this is exactly, I mean, it's very similar. What you just described is very similar to Maya's journey in terms of finding this way back to who she was originally. And I think so many of us get obsessed with growing up that we forget that the, the we forget the magic, but we also forget that our, that purpose usually reveals itself to us pretty early on, you know, who we're meant to be. And in that childhood <laughs> joy, there's a lot of, adult fulfillment, you know, you can find, you know, in this book, you refer to Maya as having uh, at, at different intervals, you, you know, she's referred to as having a midlife crisis or maybe yes. a quarter life crisis. <laughs> I like to call it the third life, the, the, yeah, the third life reckoning, you know, okay. where you're at that mm -hmm. third of your life point and you're mm -hmm. like, what's it all about? Yes. <laughs> you know? yes. Um, another thing that really fascinated me though, you know, we were just talking about black families and I do think that uh, I would be remiss. And I think you're, you've talked about this a lot, so I'm sure you're prepared to talk about it. You 
you know, set this black character in this world um, where in this very multiracial world Uh and um, just like in your own experience being on The Bachelor, just like in life, you know, who she ends up with is not necessarily who she starts with or who one might expect or who one might desire for her to be with. Um, Why was that a strategic choice for you in terms of the way that you wrote this book? Or was it just, hey, this is how I want to write. I want to just be like, focus on the humanity of all of this situation. I mean, obviously Maya's race is a factor and it does come in, but it's not um, a traditional like black narrative in that way. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I, I, to the latter of what you were saying, I do think for me it was about the humanity, but okay. also mirroring how my life is. You know, yeah. yes, I'm a black woman. Yes, I was raised by two black parents. And you see that in the book. You see mm-hmm. Maya very much so attached to her blackness. You see mm-hmm. where she faces certain challenges in the book because she is a black woman. But at the same time, I wanted to really create a diverse friend group, which you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted, and I, someone asked me this, and and it, I, I guess I thought about it subconsciously, but not necessarily in writing the book, whether or not because the the a friend Delilah who goes on the show, she's a mm-hmm. Latino woman, and it was, and you have yet to see a Latina bachelorette. So she was the first and it was someone said, well, did you want to explore some of the same issues that you explored going on reality TV and had to come, you know, to grips with as a first that did you want Delilah to experience that? And I thought, no, because I felt like the the focus of the book is Maya. Yes. And her journey as a a black woman in this multiracial world, in this diverse world, in this certain upbringing that she had coming up and. I I wanted I didn't want it to get too muddy, so I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was very important for me, or I just wanted to have a diverse world because again, they're Easter eggs of me, uh, of my life Absolutely. in this book. But um, yeah, I just thought that that was that was important. Thinking about this while you were talking about Delilah, I, th- I thought to myself, also would that have brought you into a realm that maybe wasn't totally your story to tell, like culturally, mm-hmm. like in terms of those. Yep cultural nuances that maybe would have been foreign to you, which is not Uh to say we can't write about other people's cultures, but I think like there's a world of difference in terms of, uh, you know, coming from a more marginalized group and being able to talk about the mainstream that most of us in one way or another, you know, figure out how to at least, you know, figure out how to navigate, you know what I mean? Whether that means assimilating in certain ways or code switching or however that manifests, you know, or deciding not to code switch, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, And the other way around. And I think, you know, what strikes me here too, is that, you know, what we always have to come back to is that there is no one black experience, right? We have commonalities and we have community and we have you know, points of bonding. And that's what's so beautiful about it. Um, You know, it's one of the blessings of of being marginalized, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also, there is is many Black experiences, there are Black people. So that is also, I think, a refreshing thing about this book. It's also a refreshing thing, I think, about you and the way you've kind of chosen to, you know, present the way your own fairy tale, if we'll call it, however, <laughs> you know, yeah. however we want to say has spun out. Um, so yeah, I'm intrigued by that. I also want to, you know, I want to talk about the craft of writing. We're going to do that in just a second, um, you know, because we do need to take a quick break, but we'll be back with Rachel Lindsay and more Writing Black. All right. We are back with Rachel Lindsay and more Writing Black and the book Real Love. 
Out. You are into romance, fiction. I don't, you know, you can call it a beach read. I cozied up with it in bed. It's it's still oh, pretty cool here in Chicago, and I I thoroughly enjoyed that. So you know, I say however you get into it, get into it. It is uh, an easy and fun read, but a thoughtful one as well. And those things don't always all go together. But I want to <laughs> talk about the craft of this. I mean, you know, you were saying that you know you didn't grow up loving to read. You did grow up making up stories. Um, this is not your first book. So you were familiar, obviously, with like the publishing process, the editing process. But world building, no matter how familiar the world is, is a totally different muscle. I mean, yes. I, I know it's one that actually I, I'll be perfectly transparent. As a longtime writer, it world building intimidates me seriously. You know, it's one of yeah. the things that fascinates me so much about um, the people I get to interview here. It might even be a little bit why I created this podcast because <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm fascinated by craft and I would love to know how long this took, how you envision this world, uh, which is set in Miami. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. So I am a person who likes to be upfront and honest and not pretend like I can do absolutely everything myself. And that is this book. You don't have Superwoman Complex? Come on. I, not at all. <laughs> Maybe to a fault. I had the best help on this book with Alexa Martin, who is an incredible author. Um, so I knew very quickly. I knew I had the idea. I knew I had the, the vision. But I knew I needed help. And as you beautifully laid out, this is not my world. I have never had to, to build a story in this way, to develop characters in this way, even if I had this idea. And so very, very early on, I was able to interview other authors. It was very important for me to have a Black woman as the author mm -hmm. who could mm -hmm. understand me, has her own experiences that she might put into this book as well. And I also just wanted to, to relate and connect to her. And so I, I interviewed a few and Alexa was someone that I met and we just immediately clicked. We have a love for the same things. She comes from the sports world. Her husband was an athlete. Um, and then just also, you know, being a black woman. Yeah. So I worked like right with Alexa on this and we, I told her my idea to see if she was even into it, if she loved it. She got it immediately, had some of her own ideas. And from then, she kind of helped me out of like, okay, who are the characters that you want? Who are the supporting characters that you want? Where do you want this to set? What type of job? Does, I mean, questions I, you know, you think about, but you don't really think about as you're talking about building. What do you want her job to be? It changed so much. Just like I told you, um, the um, sisters, there were, mm -hmm. there were two originally. We got it down to one. There were more friends in this book. It got a little too messy and convoluted. Mm -hmm. So we, we changed that as well. Um, the setting where she came from, um, her relationship with her sisters and her family actually changed. There was, it was, it was a lot of back and forth, talking to one another, flushing that out, pushing each other the storyline. The book wasn't called Real Love at first. Even thinking of how much we wanted to incorporate the reality TV show to where it right. wasn't as much of a character and more into the background. Initially, the book was more of a character. It was more of a sliding doors book and we had to not make it that and flush it out a little bit more to make it something different, to make it real love, to make it stand out on its own. I, there were certain themes that I wanted to express. There were certain ways that I wanted to, to the book to go. And 
to your point, something that we talked about at the beginning, a romance novel, women's fiction is supposed to go a particular way. And that was yeah, there's a, bit a formula, of, yeah. I didn't realize the formula. Yeah. I just more had the idea where I wanted it to go. You know, shout out to Alexa. Shout out to Black women in yes. general. And I love, you know, listen, I love um, on this podcast when we have a writer who's worked with another writer to produce something. I love when they shout them out. I think, you know, um, those those big assists, whether they be ghostwriters, whoever they are, you know, mm-hmm. however they function, you know, collaborators, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they really are the backbone and they often are unsung. So it's very exciting to me that you're so uh, eager to shout her oh, out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I also think I love the idea of um, learning a formula so that you can break it because, you know, real love doesn't totally you know, we, as we talked about earlier, it doesn't totally fit. It's not totally formulaic in that way. And I, I personally found that uh, a good thing. I, I really like that. And I just want to clarify, when you say a sliding doors novel, you, I'm assuming you're referring to the film uh, yes. with Glenda Paltrow, where it, it really is a what if, like uh-huh. literally like what if I made it in into the train on time. Mm-hmm. Um, also fascinating. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back with more Writing Black. All right, we are back with more Writing Black and Rachel Lindsay talking about her new novel, her first, uh, Real Love. Do you yes, think sir. there are more novels in your future? Now that you've done this, I know you had help, but based on what you've I, learned, any more novels ahead of you? I really hope so. I, I would say that that's the goal. The idea mm-hmm. just has to come and it has to be something that's original. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to read a book and say, oh, oh my gosh, I just fell in love with this book. And then that gets stuck in your head and that idea. I just, I, I hope that there is because I had so much fun during this process and it's so incredible and freeing and just the escapism that is involved in writing and fiction, the mm-hmm. places that you can go, it's it's limitless. And I didn't even feel that initially when I had the idea. It didn't happen until the whole process started. So I really, really hope so. I'd be disappointed with myself if it does. Yeah, I mean, I will admit, when you were sitting there talking about Delilah, I was like, that sounds like a whole spinoff of this novel. Like, that's just another novel. Like, and then, you know, because everybody wants to know, like, how the sausage was made back there at the Bachelorette. Let me tell you. <laughs> we're all yeah. sitting there like, what happened? What happened? Like, even that you have a scene, uh, again, you know, we we hesitate to spoil. But I think this, I think we could tell this scene without uh, spoiling it. You know, because you have this, uh, and this is a really great device that you and Alexa developed here, the story within a story. We love that. We love that yes, that uh, that mechanism. And of course, the story within the story here is that real love, which, you know, to our listeners, uh, is both the name, the title of the book and the name of the fictional reality show okay. that uh, Maya uh, says no to. <laughs> but we, we do get glimpses of this this theoretical show and there's like a really really ridiculous scene where all where the bachelorette in in question the star and and her suitors are on a farm and Uh uh, mayhem ensues really messy farm-like mayhem ensues (laughs) and I was was kind of tickled by the whole thing I just thought it was so funny (laughs) because I was like you know this is exactly the kind of stuff that we look for um you know, those of us, listen, I have, I have a family of, of black women who literally, there's like a, a whole thread in our family where, you know, they go back and forth about the bachelorette each season. They were thrilled when you were on. So it was like a cool. very big deal in my family. So, uh, I, w- I was tickled by that, but I am also, you know, tickled by the idea of you doing more fiction. Cause I think this, this idea of a, the heroine of a 
romance reality series going on to write romance novels is kind of amazing. <laughs> it's kind of a genius, man. <laughs> you know, I'd like to pick up that Listen, much of a genius. <laughs> it's marketing but, genius. I'm say, it's really good. <laughs> I, I really just, it was such an untold story in my head yeah. that I play out all the time, more so to humble myself more than anything else. Oh, wow. To think okay. about that, to always remember, because all of this happened to me so quickly. And in my mind, that means I can lose it just as quickly. Good and so yeah. I always want to check myself and say to be grateful of everything that's happening and these opportunities and not forget that girl who was sitting in her office that day, probably not working, looking out the window, <laughs> waiting for somebody to knock on the door until she heard that knock. Mm -hmm. And I just always remember that. And I often say to myself, okay, it's Thursday. It's this time of day. What would I have been doing if I had said no? I do that all the time. And that humbles me to be grateful of the mm -hmm. of currently what's happening. So I just, because that's always been in my head, I really wanted to see that play out. I think that's so, uh, I, that humility is refreshing. Uh, we're going to take one more break and we'll be back with Rachel Lindsay in just a moment. All right, we are back with more Writing Black and Rachel Lindsay. Um, you know, Rachel, <laughs> as you said, there's Easter eggs of you all over real love. Um, mm -hmm. And even though it's fiction, obviously yeah. you are not the only, you know, I assume, real life person who gets referred to here. Um, mm -hmm. Were you concerned about, like, your family, your husband, your friends? <laughs> like, you know, how, no. they were, how they were being portrayed? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. No, I was Good. more concerned with that when I wrote the book of essays because wow, it was yeah. real and I changed names and those were real people, real events that were happening. And I, and that was all, that was also tricky because I didn't want to tell somebody else's story. I wanted to tell my story. So it was mm -hmm. a fine line to walk to make sure I wasn't telling too much of their business. I was trying to be respectful, not a tell all. I wasn't trying to blast anyone. I just wanted mm -hmm. to tell my story. So in the fiction version, I can tap into some of those things that I didn't want to tell in the real book and I can play them out. So even Vaughn, a.k.a. Ralph in the book, who's Maya's boyfriend, um, is a combination of exes for me. Absolutely. I love a hybrid maybe, situation. I love it. So a composite sorry. character. <laughs> and maybe one X more than another. You know who you are. You know who you are. Yes. <laughs> you are. That was, that was important. I got to flush some some of the messiness out mm -hmm. that I couldn't talk about in really in the book. I mean, in my book of essays. Yeah. Um, my family, I've been very open about, you know, coming from this picture-perfect Cosby-like family and this desire to please my father and to follow in his footsteps. And that's not necessarily how it is with Maya, with the father-daughter relationship, but there is a relationship like that in yeah. the book and the yeah. fear of disappointment. And, and then you realize, you know, what are you doing this for? Because they ain't always as perfect as we think they are either. And so I, that's, there's, there's truth in that as well. There's certain things that I've learned about my family as an adult that I didn't put in the book, either book that mm -hmm. I'm like, man, if you had told me that when I was younger, do you know how much that could have helped me yeah. in certain things that I was going through? That's a theme in the book. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried in the fiction book because here's the beauty of it. It's fiction. Uh, that's, that's true. Not, 
If I haven't really said that yet, right. So that's on you. <laughs> Listen, that part, that part right there, you know, the, the novelist Anne Lamott, has, I'm going to be paraphrasing, but she, she says sometimes, she says, you know, if, if you would have liked me to write about you better, you should have behaved better. Huh. <laughs> I mean, that's one way of doing it. But, you know, once we get into fiction, we can say whatever we like. And, exactly. you know, if it does not apply to you, then you needn't respond. But, uh, you know, I, I'm always interested too, you know, as writers, you know, I know this can happen to me in, in any form of writing that I'm doing. I mean, sometimes I'm writing an article and I feel like this, you know, if I get that point, just the way that I like it. Um, yeah. Was it cathartic? Did it feel cathartic, this book, this process? I'm, I can, I can imagine that you're, I hope that your book of essays was cathartic for you, but was this yes. process equally as cathartic? Absolutely. And in different ways. The book of essay was because I was taking control of my own story for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. And when you go on television, a reality TV show, you give up that freedom. And so yeah. the media perceives you in a certain way. The fan base does. Social media does. And I still the, go through You were edited thing. a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, that book was cathartic in the sense that I got to tell my story my way and no one could tell me anything else about it. Bitters was cathartic in, in a different way because it scratched an itch that I had of that always wondering of the what if. We all do it, which is why I think so many people will enjoy this book. And maybe yeah. it'll inspire someone to, to, to write the what if of their own story. Mm -hmm. I always wonder, because I was so wrapped up in that life of what it would have looked up like if I had played it out. And so to be able to explore it, even in a fictional way, was very liberating for me because I did it. And I I saw the story to the end. I don't know if that's what it would have happened or not, but it is a version of a what if. And so that was really beautiful for me. And it can keep going. You know, the book is a certain way. I could keep that book going and tell Listen, other story of it about it. And I, you know, and I hope that people respond to this book and that you that the demand is there for you to write that book because it really is a and good time. Um, and, you know, on that note, you know, you talked about uh, a couple of things here in terms of, you know, A, you know, the, the, that we all kind of do this and we, uh, you know, and, and inspiring others to kind of imagine and maybe even put, put to the page. I mean, you inspired me. So, you know, there's that, but who did, who, who do you, who do you hope reads this book? I mean, you know, who do you see as Ooh. the ideal audience for real love? Ah, oh, that's so good. I would say this book is, it can be for anyone because it's about being at a crossroads, but it's mainly for women. And I would definitely say for women in their 20s mm -hmm. and women in their 30s, it could really be any age, but I see it as 20s and 30s just because I feel like that's that point in life where, you know, you're making those, you start to see things in a different way. This book is dedicated to all of those held captive to their life plans. Free yourself. All of those who are wondering what is on the other side of the rainbow, go look for yourself. All of those who are ready to take flight but are too afraid to try, soar. Okay, I'm yeah. going to even take it back. I am fascinated right now with adulthood and the things that we question about life and adulthood that our parents never talked to us about. There's this right. great movie called Somebody I Used to Know that yes. just came out. I just watched this. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I was, think, yes. It's I on Prime, right? With Jay Ellis and Allison Brie. Yes. 
I felt like I could I could write an essay on the book because it it kind of explores a what if. Mm-hmm. But you're questioning things in adulthood of like, I built my entire life around something. And what if that is not what I was supposed to do? Yeah. And I'm, and there's the song Landslide deals with that. There's just so much that as I get older, I think about that. There's a great show, Fly Spin in Trouble, that talks about that as well. And so now I'm getting lost in awesome what I'm talking show. Awesome show. <laughs> Listen, right. I, you, we can sit here and talk pop culture every day, all day, because I remember, listen, Fleischman in Trouble, if you guys haven't seen it, and this Ooh. is an interesting conversation for two black women to be having, because we are not featured in that narrative. Not at but, all. but <laughs> what it was while, uh, you know, uh, deviating, you know, we're about, we're talking about writing, though, and it's great writing. And it really, I think, for women... Um, of a certain age, you know, who are That's... who are really looking at that adulthood question. I I, I finished that show and I, I was sobbing, and my uh, my partner Nick. was like, he's like, what is going on? Like, what is happening? Because <laughs> it was not happening for him. He had like fallen asleep, and I'm like, oh, it's just so true. <laughs> you know? So that so that is the who the read that that I want to be, the reader of this story because. You, th- that person who is wondering, who is questioning, who doesn't feel fulfilled, mm-hmm. who is, is saying, I lived this life this way, but I feel like there's something more out there. This book yeah. is for you. This book is for someone who has a, has trouble with something that you said earlier in the podcast about how, you know, you're your own worst enemy and you're the one holding yourself back mm-hmm. from what it is that you really want to do. That person who's scared to take that leap of faith who's almost there, they just need that push. That's who this book is for. Whether it's a career choice, whether it's a love choice, whether it's confronting family. Um, I know that I was able to come to all of that, one, with therapy, um, but also just finally saying yes and, and choosing to live the life that I want to live and not the life that somebody else has told me I'm supposed to live. That's so it sounds like you said yes and no. <laughs> Yes, I know. And you would think Those boundaries, that, man, those are important. And I'm talking to my parents and they know this. You would think that they, they picked this life for me. Oh, I always knew that this is what so you proud. were going to do. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I think we have the same parents, too. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, you know, this is a question we ask everybody who comes on the podcast. And we just talked about a few narratives that really inspired you. Um, I'm not going to assume that you love reading any more than you used to, but are there some specific authors or even like shows, you know, things that you're loving now, like that, like the stories that are being told that you really respond to? Well, I named two, somebody Mm -hmm. I used to know the movie and Fleischman in Trouble. I'm just very into questions about life and, and just adulthood and things thinking they're supposed to go away and they don't i'm fascinated by it even if fleischman in trouble she says something she makes which is very depressing she says a line of never gonna be younger than you are right now right now i know (laughs) that might be where i started sobbing (laughs) that's so true but i just you know there's i love escapism and there's just so I'm I'm fascinated with shows that deal with that. I'm just fascinated about questioning life. It's yeah. just so interesting, um, sad, but interesting at the same time. When you and I talked on Higher Learning, we talked about seven days in June. And I was like, I Did have like that it? book. Did you like I, it? I'm not done. It's, an, it's another what if story. Shout it's, out to Tia I, Williams. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it's so good. And I know so many people who are reading it or have read it. So that's yeah. like at the top of my list. That's a book. When I do read, I pick it up, I put it down. Um, I just have to say something. I love the Locke sisters. <laughs> There's something. I was just telling my assistant about, I have it because I pulled it out. I was like, you got to okay. find the book, Bluebird. Okay. <laughs> you got to find the book. I just, I love, you know, from scratch. And then I've just done such a deep dive on mm -hmm. them. And I didn't realize that I was reading, mm -hmm. you know, like Anna Collot's book. I, I sometimes don't pay attention to who's writing it. I'm just reading the story. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, which is a bad habit. But yeah, I'm loving them as well. Uh, Listen, yeah. I think From Scratch is one of the unsung when we're talking about series that we Oops. love. So whether people engage with the written word, which, listen, written word is happening on screen too. So it's all valid. Uh, mm -hmm. From Scratch was one of the best uh, you know, kind of series, limited series, I thought of the past year and, you yeah. know, such beautiful work from the Lock Sisters, bringing that very real life, um, such a poignant love story to the uh, screen and to obviously Zoe Saldana as well. Um, but yeah, you know, you and I, I, I feel like you and I could really like totally key on like pretty much everything oh always. So I, I, you know, I look forward to the very next time, but you know, I just really want people right now to pick up a copy of Real Love, get into it with Rachel Lindsay. You've seen her on your screens. Maybe you've seen her on Extra. If you're not listening to the podcast, you should. Higher Learning is big fun. But also pick up this book if you want yes. a little escape because it's a good time. And uh, you will undoubtedly see yourself in it because we've all been there. But Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you think I, I really enjoyed this. I cannot say this good. enough. It's such a beautiful conversation. And you're right. We could key key I all love it. day. <laughs> I'll publish Chicago. I will let you know. Please Thank come you. through. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for having me. All right, guys. That's it for Writing Black this week. And thank you, Rachel Lindsay. Witty, honest, entertaining. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the black culture debates you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. How much fun was that chat? Um, you know, listen, I could have talked to Rachel all day, but it's time for the part of our show that... I also love, which is my favorites. This is where I recommend some of my favorite books. And this week, I'm also going to recommend one that came up in this podcast. You know, um, it's so, unfortunately, still too rare for uh, black women to see themselves as the heroine in romance novels, for that action and that uh, attraction to be centered around us, which is why I love this book by Tia Williams, Seven Days in June. Um, I believe this came out in 2020, um, maybe even 2019, but it's, it's, it's a fantastic book. This was, for me, it was uh, a, uh, a, a quarantine read. Uh, I really, again, settled down with this book and it was so good and it's really multidimensional. It, it explores not just um, attraction and romance, and sexuality and all those good and spicy things. It also explores how we process trauma, how we deal with family and loss and uh, forming new bonds. Parenthood is a factor in this. So I highly recommend this read. I think you'll see yourself in it. Um, no matter who you are. Uh, Tia Williams is a fantastic storyteller. She's been at this a long time and she's also a delightful human being. So highly recommend Seven Days in June. That's my favorite for this week. And we will see you next week with another episode of Writing Black. 
Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Grio app or wherever you find your podcasts. Scientist, author, and professor, Dr. Christina Greer, and I'm host of The Blackest Questions on the Griot's Black Podcast Network. This person invented ranch dressing around 1950. Who are they? I have no idea. This all began as an exclusive Black History trivia party at my home in Harlem with family and friends. And they got so popular, it seemed only right to share the fun with our Griot listeners. Each week, we invite a familiar face on the podcast to play. What was the name of the person who was an enslaved chief cook for George Washington and later ran away to freedom? In 1868, this university was the first in the country to open a medical school that welcomed medical students of all races, genders, and social classes. What university was it? No, this is why I like doing stuff with you because I leave educated. I was not taught this in Alabama public schools. Question number three, you ready? Yes, let me try to redeem myself. How did we go from Kwanzaa to like, these obscure sport, darling. This is like the New York Times crossword from a Monday to a Saturday. Right or wrong, because all we care about is the journey and having some fun while we do it. I'm excited and also a little nervous. Oh, listen, no need to be nervous. And as I tell all of my guests, this is an opportunity for us to educate ourselves because Black history is American history. So we're just going to have some fun. Listen, some people get zero out of five. Some people get five out of five. It doesn't matter. We're just going to be on a little intellectual journey together. Latoya Cantrell? That's right, Mary Latoya Cantrell. Hercules Posey. Mm. Born in 1754, and he was a member of the Mount Vernon slave community widely admired for his culinary skills. I'm going to guess Afropunk. Close. It's okay. Afro-Nation. So Never last heard year, of that. according to my research, it's Samuel Wilson, a.k.a. Falcon. Wong. <laughs> Wong. I, I, am, I am disputing this. I'm very, 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 very 99.9999 sure that it is Representative John Lewis, who is also from the state of Alabama. That lets you know, Christina, we got some goodness come out of Alabama. There is something in the water in Alabama, and you are absolutely correct. The harder they come. Close. Oh, wait, uh, the harder they fall? That's right. I'm one of those people that, that just changes one word. <laughs> I mean, I know they show. fall too well. I just don't know nothing today. It's I'm going to pour myself a little water while you tell me the answer. The answer is Seneca Village, which began in 1825 with the purchase of land by a trustee of the AME Zion Church. You know why games like this make me nervous? I don't know if I know enough black. Do I know enough? How black am I? Oh, my Lord. They, they gonna, we going to find out in public. So give us a follow, subscribe, and join us on The Blackest Questions.